The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Frank Moreno, that's Sublime, singing about summertime. If you ever want to know the music we're playing, just join our Facebook group. Go to facebook.com slash groups slash Radio Morano, or just search on Facebook, Morano Radio Fans and Haters. So we have spent a lot of time over the last uh, year and a half or so exploring the case of the Long Island serial killer. And it's a case uh, that is shrouded in mystery. There's a lot of different theories about what happened. But whatever you think may have happened with these Gilgo Beach murders, I don't think there's anybody that thinks that the job that the Suffolk County Police Department did in investigating this case was a stellar one. And there are so many theories. There are so many um, allegations. There are so many questions about the Suffolk County Police Chief at the time, Jimmy Burke. Now, Jimmy Burke was the top cop in Suffolk County, and he went on to become a convicted felon himself in a case that had nothing to do, as far as we know, with the Long Island serial killer. A guy that uh, knows a great deal about Jimmy Burke, his rise and his fall, is the author of a terrific new book, Uh, The book's called Jimmy the King, Murder, Vice, and the Reign of a Dirty Cop. He's a longtime investigative reporter. He's worked with a number of outlets, including the Washington Post. And uh, he's just done an incredible job with this book, Jimmy the King. Very pleased to welcome Gus Garcia Roberts. Gus, thanks so much for joining me so early in the morning. Thank you, Frank, for having me on. All right. So let's assume people know nothing about Jimmy Burke they haven't heard my previous radio segments on this, and they haven't read your book on it. Give us the Reader's Digest version. Who is or who was Jimmy Burke? Um, so he was the chief of department of the of the Suffolk County uh, Police Department, one of the largest departments in the in the country. Uh, and uh, the way that he got his start was he was a witness in a notorious homicide case uh, back in 1979 in which a 13-year-old boy was, was murdered in Smithtown, New York. And through, you know, somewhat uh, dubious testimony, he, he cemented the convictions of, of four of his uh, buddies in Smithtown. And the prosecutor in that case, Tom Spoda, went on to become DA and and uh, and helped Burke get a job as a police officer and then rise up through the ranks. Um, and Burke became 
uh, notorious and, and something of a, of a sort of national laughing stock in 2012, um, or, or starting in 2012, uh, because he beat a heroin addict who had broken into his unmarked police truck and stolen a duffel bag that had sex toys and other embarrassing items in them, pornography, and uh, and then spent years. Um, sort of orchestrating a high-level cover-up, um, trying to keep the feds off his trail, which ultimately uh, failed, and he um, pleaded guilty and, and went to prison. And, and his and his longtime mentor Tom Spoda was then convicted at trial and also went to prison for helping him cover up that beating. What sparked your interest in writing about Jimmy Burke? Um, the, the idea that there were sort of two really fascinating bookends for the guy, you know, one was, uh, one was his fall, which was so spectacular and sort of embarrassing and telling, you know, which was, um, him, uh, beating up this, this, this heroin addict who had broken into his car and found embarrassing stuff and then spending years covering it up. And then the, and then the murder that, that sort of marked the beginning of his rise, and the testimony in that case, um, and the idea that 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 he had sort of his implosion had brought down his mentor Spoda, all of that sort of reminded me kind of of, of the Departed, uh, <laughs> and I thought that like you know, uh, if you got deeper into this guy's um, story, you could probably understand a lot about sort of the failures of of of. Uh, modern policing and in some circumstances and sort of what leads a guy who has no qualification, uh, what allows him to, to rise to the top of a major police department and uh, botch things so badly. And, and what are the sort of levers of complicity that allow that? And so, you know, he was kind of that, that ideal case study, I thought. That, that 1979 case that you that you mentioned having to do with the slaying of a 13 year old boy that sort of set him on his uh, career trajectory with the Suffolk County Police Department. You, you alluded to maybe some questions about Burke's testimony that led to the conviction in that case. What what exactly do we know about the veracity of Burke's testimony in that case? Yeah. So so the case was was. A very sensational one, um, in that this was sort of like the birth of the of the uh, suburbs of of, of New York, um, and uh, the, you know the, the one of the primary reasons people were leaving for for Suffolk County and Nassau County was to feel more safe. And and here we had a 13 year old boy, John Pius, who was found behind a schoolyard with six rocks stuffed down his throat and beaten to death. And it was um, you know, a huge deal. Uh and and there was a um and it fell on Tom Spoda, the prosecutor, to solve it. Um and so uh Burke emerged as kind of he was like this wayward a uh, teenager at the time, he hung out with a crew of local delinquents, um, and his testimony was that uh, two of the boys had implicated themselves um, by pseudo confessions of the murder, uh, and eventually, 
you know, as the sort of years dragged on in these cases, because because there was uh, retrials and and it became a, a decades-long saga. Um, the, initially, the strongest piece of evidence against the boys was a, was a taped confession that one of them made, you know, in the back of a detective's car uh, after being denied access to a lawyer and with his parents being misled as to where he was. Um, eventually, after that confession was was deemed to be coerced, really the strongest evidence was was what Jimmy Burke said. And so, you know, I studied the transcripts of his testimony in those various cases, and he sort of transposes his testimony based on, you know, for example, what defendant he is testifying against. Uh, in one case, you know, he might say one of his friends said. Uh, implicated himself, you know, in a conversation at a certain, you know, schoolyard in Smithtown. And then uh, in another trial, he might say that another friend said the exact same thing in the same schoolyard at, a, at the same time. Uh, and so when you read that stuff, it, it, it sort of, um, and, and the, you know, what he said that the kids said, you know, um, was inconsistent with his prior testimony and it was also inconsistent with the, with the facts of the case um and the facts of the the crime scene and so when you read that it's really difficult to not sort of arrive at the conclusion that that he is basically just saying you know what he has been told is what the prosecutor needs to get a conviction in that specific case because it just does not have the the, the ring of truth and and you know, I'm happy to get more into detail. No, no, I, I think uh, I think we kind of yeah. I, I think we get the uh, the sense that uh, his trouble with the truth uh, for the sake of getting the result that uh, that you want was uh, was set pretty early on. We're talking with Gus Garcia Roberts about uh, Jimmy Burke. Check out his new book, Jimmy the King, Murder, Vice and the Reign of a Dirty Cop. You alluded to the uh, the incident with him. Uh, beating up someone, a heroin addict that uh, got into his car and stole his bag of uh, of sex toys and pornography, was that the that was the crime that ultimately did him in? That was it. That was his first conviction as a, um, and that was what brought him down as Suffolk County Police Chief. Yeah, it's funny. He was sort of untouchable, you know, and 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 you know, more powerful than the county executive. He was this very fearsome figure, along with. Tom Spoda. Um, and he had a lot of enemies through the years and people that tried to stop his rise, you know, other cops who tried to raise internal warnings and, and, and were essentially ignored and he, and he, and he crushed his enemies. And, and the person that brings him down is, is Christopher Loeb, um, you know, a 26 year old with a, with a decade long heroin addiction, whose primary occupation was jiggling the doors of cars in his native Smithtown and you know selling what he got out of those cars uh illegally on, on craigslist um and so that uh that burke uh going to the to the precinct um where Loeb was held the next morning and beating him uh and 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 there being a large number of police witnesses uh and then sort of you know, using his control over the department to 
to cover it up for years is the is the crime that ultimately brought him down. And there was, though, credible evidence of a great deal of other misconduct while he was in office, though, right? Uh, yes. You know, this was somebody who was who was essentially just out of out of control. Um, and uh, so, you know, w- one of the things that, that popped up uh, and, and it was um, swept under the rug for years, you know, mostly thanks to at the time New York's laws. Uh, making internal affairs records secret was that he had a, a years-long relationship with a sex worker named Loretta Rickenbacker um, when he was a young beat cop, uh, and uh, um, and and there were allegations in those in in, in those records that you know he had. Um, for one, had sex on duty with her, and also that he had, you know, used uh, drugs with her, and and drug use was um, something that that sort of followed Burke, in which he, in which he, you know, at points admitted uh, followed Burke throughout his career, and including, you know, hard drugs like like smoking crack cocaine. You mentioned his early relationship with uh, Thomas Spoda, the DA, obviously, I'm sure that's something that can not only help you get hired as a police officer, but I'm sure it's something that helps you work your way up the hierarchy of the police department. But police chief, as you point out, in one of the biggest counties, uh, uh, police departments in the whole country, that's a coveted job. It's a job that I would think a lot of people want. How um, How does someone like Jimmy Burke, who essentially it sounds like was committing crimes throughout his entire tenure as a Suffolk County cop. How does someone like that get appointed to be police chief to begin with? He became almost like a politician more than a cop. And so, you know, his, his the, the big leapfrog that that allowed him to uh, become a police chief was, was his role in the kind of secretive ouster of, of uh, then county executive Steve Levy, uh, you know. Um, Burke worked in Spoda's DA's office, and, and they had a cagey investigation of Levy in which they never actually disclosed the findings. But whatever it was, it it uh, was was uh, damaging enough that Levy agreed to not seek office, and that um, that allowed uh, that paved the way for for the next county executive, Steve Ballone. Um, and Ballone was, you know, in the thrall of Jimmy Burke uh, and and uh, made a exception to the way things are typically done and insisted that instead of naming a commissioner who would then, you know, lead a search for a, or for a police chief, um, he wanted Jimmy Burke to be police chief and there would be a commissioner who would basically be a figurehead uh, by design um, in the department. And so, you know, from the beginning, Ballone was sort of um, dead set on Jimmy Burke leading the department. And then as the red flags became uh, harder to ignore that Burke was you know, unqualified and that he was also sort of beset by scandal, um, uh, Ballone for, covered for him basically as, you know, long as physically possible. And so so essentially it was kind of a study in, in what happens when a charismatic, uh, if completely unqualified 
uh, cop kind of learns the the ropes of a highly politicized uh, policing system mm-hmm. and 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 uses that to to hoist himself to the top. I talk with Gus Garcia Roberts. His new book is Jimmy the King, uh, Murder, Vice, and the Reign of a Dirty Cop. So it sounds like he was uh, always kind of a bad guy in terms of his conduct, in terms of playing by his own rules. Uh, in my experience, a lot, most people, I'll say, are multifaceted. There are good aspects to them, not so good aspects to them. You alluded to uh, him being charming and charismatic. What about as a law enforcement person, even in spite of the fact that he was breaking the law himself, are there any key law enforcement victories that you might be able to point to as saying, yeah, sure, he was corrupt, but at least he did blank? Any any positives on the on the ledger for Jimmy Burke as police chief in Suffolk? Um, you know, I, I'll say this. In, in his police career, he was sort of known for being a very hard-charging cop. Uh, and, um, you know, he, he, uh, you know, he was the sort of guy who, who racked up a lot of arrests. Um, he was, you know, he was not a loafer. Uh, and, um, you know, as, as police chief, honestly, I, you know, I would love to, I would love to say that there was this, this big redeeming victory. The problem is, Within a year of him becoming police chief, he had beaten Chris Loeb. And then from, you know, for the next uh, mm. few years while he was clinging to office, he was literally engaged in a federal criminal conspiracy. Right. And so, you know, he wasn't really doing his job Got as it. much as he was attempting to stay out of federal prison. Um Long Island serial killer, Gilgo Beach killings, a lot of rumors surround uh, Jimmy Burke's role in that whole thing. Uh, what do we know about what role he might have played in the Gilgo Beach killings? And what does evidence suggest his role might have been in the Gilgo Beach killings? Um, so, you know, one of the reasons why he has been, you know, linked as a suspect by the sort of general public is the emergence of the news that 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 he and Spoda kept the FBI from doing their um their their profile of 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 potential of the of the serial killer or killers uh in that area which is sort of a a typical step almost every unsolved serial killing in America gets uh has one of these profiles done by the FBI they're extremely important step uh and uh Spoda and Burke blocked the FBI, um, and it was one of multiple ways in which they sort of appeared to be interfering to not allow the feds uh, access to to, to this uh, killing investigation. Um, and so, you know, you couple that with the idea that we know Burke had this documented history with sex workers in his personal life, um, clearly a proclivity for violence, and, you know, perhaps the power to sort of successfully cover up um, this case, I think, is, you know, are among the things that have sort of contributed to him being that, that, that suspect in the public's eye, you know, what, what I sort of, what I would, would counterbalance that with is that there's, you know, no available evidence that shows that he has any involvement at all. And in fact, if you speak to, 
you know, law enforcement agents who, you know, have no reason to carry water for Burke, who who have knowledge of the case. Typically, they they sort of dismiss out of hand the idea that 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 Burke had any involvement in it. However, you know, it's impossible to ignore, um, you know, how badly Suffolk County mm-hmm. PD botched the case, and uh, and 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 you know what. And one example of that is when Burke became chief, uh, he had the chief of detectives, the guy who oversaw the the, the serial killing investigation, um, ousted unceremoniously, which isn't extremely odd. But I, I think what was odd was that there was no briefing from that chief of detective on uh, the facts of the of the case. And so essentially, you know, that was two years after the, the, the bodies were discovered. They, they essentially started from, from zero from that point forward. Um, and so I think there's two ways you can look at that. One is, you know, that this is some sort of a concerted cover-up, uh, or that you can look at it as Jimmy Burke was obsessed with, with um, credit. He did not want the feds involved mm. in, in this and in, in this and other major investigations. Uh and and that he had a history of sort of putting his own interests above those of, of Suffolk County residents, and it's something he had also done uh, in regards to the investigation of the uh street gang MS thirteen, which he also sort of made very uh, um questionable moves which allowed that gang to fester in, in Long Island. Um, and and so you know I don't have the answer as to which of those it was uh, willfulness or incompetence, but I you know I suppose uh, the the result is 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 the same, and it's and right. it's sad, and it and it's that this you know the case was kind of did not have a hope to be solved because of him. It sounds like though you are not one of the people that necessarily believes that he was the killer or one of the killers. No, I don't. I, you know, I haven't seen. I'm, I'm not here to rule that out 100, percent of course. But I haven't seen anything that sort of indicates that, except for just sort of popular opinion, and and uh, and you know the fact that he's kind of become the, you know, the go-to boogeyman of Suffolk County. Mm. Uh, uh, his name's Jimmy Burke. There was also a very famous Lucchese crime family gangster uh, by the name of James Burke, Jimmy the Gent. He's the basis for the Robert De Niro character in uh, Goodfellas, Jimmy the Gent Conway. I had heard uh, one rumor that uh, James Burke, the gangster, Jimmy the Gent, is actually the the biological father of Jimmy Burke, the police chief. Is there any truth to that? Uh, I mean, it's some fun stuff. So, so Jimmy the Burke, the cop, uh, grew up in Ozone Park. You know, and he, and he went to school, you know, a Catholic school, basically around the corner from the uh, from the Bergen uh, Hunt and Fish Club, where where uh, the Gambino crime family, you know, plotted the heist that was, you know, in Goodfellas. Um, so he was. He, he he was uh the you know the circum there's some circumstantial evidence that fuels that i think the fact that he grew up in the same area um i spoke to jimmy the gents uh you know known biological son and he said you know i've heard that 
but he said, as far as I know, there's, you know, there's absolutely no truth to it. And, and, you know, just studying um, as much as I could of, of, of uh, police chief James Burke's, um, you know, um, uh, genealogical history and his family history, my, uh, you know, I sort of, I have no reason to believe that mm-hmm. that's true, unfortunately, because of, because of, because it's pretty fun. It, it is fun, but you know, that's what's so great about your book is you're able to tell a very <laughs> compelling story in really in a way that reads like a novel. And yet uh, yeah. most of what's in here, not, not most, all of what's in here is based on evidence and based on true. That's why I wanted to uh, ask that question. Hey, where is Jimmy Burke, police chief, Jimmy Burke today? Is he out of prison these days? And if he is, where is he? Yes, he's out. Um, he, I believe, he still lives in the Smithtown area, and he still pulls in about one hundred forty-five thousand dollars in in uh, taxpayer-funded police pension every year. Oh, thank goodness! Thank goodness! Uh, hey, um, I know you've spent a lot of time not only as an investigative reporter but uh, covering sports. Uh, in covering this case, did you see any similarities to the way in which you would cover cops? And the way in which he would cover athletes? Well, both, you know, cops and athletes have these kind of close cultures uh, where, um, you know, for the most part, they they abide by a code of silence as far as what their colleagues are doing. Uh, and it's, you know, it's very rare that that, that code of silence is, is broken in any significant way. Um, and... So that was a pretty uh, that you know th- that struck me as similar in trying to report this is a, is essentially trying to get past that 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 code of silence in, in both cultures is is pretty difficult and and you know really what 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 investigating uh, sports and you know professional sports leagues and also you know a place like Suffolk County DA's office and and the PD. Is you're you know you're investigating um, very powerful institutions mm. that, that are very good at, at sort of um, at sort of spinning the facts their way and and so that was also similar. Did you seek to interview uh, either Jimmy Burke for your book or Tom Spoda, maybe even Steve Ballone, the county executive that appointed Jimmy Burke? I did. So um, Burke, you know denied my my request to interview him which i made on multiple occasions to his attorney uh spoda's spoda uh you know i i definitely made clear to his lawyer that i wanted to interview him both of them i sent them sort of detailed um emails that contained what would you know some of the revelations about them that would be in the book and, and i never got a response from spoda um and then balone um you know the at one point, uh, they seemed amenable, and then I think they sort of learned. Um, I mean, I know they learned because they they basically asked me, you know, can you can you provide us some of what you want to ask, you know, county executive, and so I provided it, and I think that they felt that it was not sort of you know positive for the county executive, and and that's not because I was spinning the facts. Uh, I think that I was basically just you know, going through the trajectory of Jimmy Burke as it related to Steve Malone. And it, it's hard to avoid uh, the fact that, that, that Malone kind of continually uh, 
gave Burke a pass and, and covered for him and deflected for him. Um, and so, you know, in, in the end, they they declined to to have Malone be interviewed for the book, which I think was a pretty glaring omission. Mm. Uh, you know, as far as uh, as far as kind of what the it feels like the the taxpayers of Suffolk County probably demand something of a of an explanation, but but he didn't want to give it in my book. It, um, it, it you know one of the things that's pretty clear here in reading in your book is that not only is Jimmy Burke a bad guy, but the whole culture in the Suffolk County Police Department at the time that he was there was pretty corrupt. At the as best you can tell, is the Suffolk County Police Department still corrupt? Does this culture of corruption still exist within the department? Um. So as a, you know, as as the Reporting my book shows that you know this goes back to the, the the at least the 70s or 80s when homicide detectives were you know regularly accused credibly of 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 um, torturing or beating confessions out of homicide suspects and I think you saw a flavor of that in the John Pius case that led to to James Burke's rise um, and you know there have been major reckonings in Suffolk County. There was a uh, a major um, state investigation, uh, which was a really big black mark for Suffolk County. And I think you know at that time there was probably speculation that you know this is finally going to clean this place up. Uh, and then it just didn't happen. You know, and a lot of the, a lot of the characters who investigated in the first in that in that uh, state investigation. Um, stayed in power or, or continued to rise. One of them was, mm. was Tom Spoda. Uh, and so, you know, there's been these moments where, where it looks like, like the, like Suffolk County might get cleaned up. I think it would be naive to sort of assume that that's the case because, you know, I think it's pretty ingrained in the culture out there. This is a place that is ruled by cops and prosecutors yeah. who have, who have had impunity for decades. Um, you know, so, but but I think you know clearly getting a guy like Jimmy Burke out, uh, which was something that was sort of forced on the on the county honchos by the feds. This was sure. not like an internal uh, an internal uh, refutation of him. This was something that was forced on them by the feds. You know, getting him out and and sort of having it laid bare um, in for one in the federal case, federal trial of Tom Spoda. Uh, sort of how toxic his reign was, yeah. you know, maybe that will be a, a, a cleansing for the place. I think it remains to be seen. All right. We're going to have to end it there. It's a terrific book. Gus Garcia Roberts. The book is called Jimmy the King, Murder, Vice, and the Reign of a Dirty Cop. Uh, Gus, best of luck with the book. I hope we can talk again. I want to, too. Thanks a lot, Frank. Thank, Thank you. Sure. If you want to comment, 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. We'll continue with your calls straight ahead. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 